what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to White Coat Blackheart. Canada is in the grips of a dire shortage of nurses. People on the front lines are calling it a catastrophe. With ERs closing for hours to weeks at a time, ICU patients move from one end of the province to the other, cancer surgeries being postponed, and more. It's so dire that most provinces are stepping up efforts to recruit young nurses from other countries like India and the Philippines. Some say we've become dependent on a pipeline of young nurses from abroad. In June, White Coat producer Stephanie Dubois was awarded a Travers Fellowship named after the late, great Toronto Star foreign correspondent James Travers, which she used to visit Manila to see what that nurse pipeline looks like up close. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Brian. So that's quite the adventure you were on. What was it like being there? Oh, it was really interesting. It was my first time in the Philippines, so adjusting to the heat alone was a little challenging, but I really enjoyed speaking with Filipinos and, you know, learning more about their healthcare system and visiting some of their private and government-run hospitals. And it was really interesting to get a better understanding of what nurses deal with in terms of patients and their workload in rural and urban settings. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that, but particularly about the need here in Canada. And we have done lots of shows on the implications of the nursing shortage in this country. So why did you want to travel all the way to the Philippines? I really wanted to go because I know that Filipino nurses are hugely important to our healthcare system. So when many provinces started announcing that they're going to the Philippines to hire these nurses, I wanted to see what they do to get nurses here. And I wanted to get a better understanding as well of who is all involved in the process. And I can tell you as an emergency physician, I work with nurses who trained in the Philippines all the time. Mm -hmm. That's every ship. In terms of what's going on now in Canada with the nursing shortage, can you tell us which provinces have stepped up their efforts to recruit nurses from the Philippines lately? Yeah. So in the last year, Manitoba, Saskatchewan and New Brunswick have all recruited nurses from there. BC and Nova Scotia sent officials to meet with universities and government officials to discuss nursing education and credentials. And Alberta signed an agreement with the Philippines to get more nurses to come. So these provinces put out the call for nurses. What happens then? You know, it's a really interesting and well-oiled machine, Brian. And I'm going to lay out the whole recruitment process in the Philippines. But before we hear it, I just want to break down each of the characters for Canadians. So it starts with the Philippines government, which meets with provinces. And of course, we'll hear from nurses, their personal stories, and why they want to go abroad. And recruiters are really important in all of this. So we'll hear about how they find those nurses and how they recruit them. And to top it all off, we'll hear about universities and their role in all of this. So let me see if I've got it straight. The provinces are in competition with one another, and Canada is in competition with other Western nations. Have I got it right? Yeah, definitely. We're basically competing against the world for these Filipino nurses right now. And this whole process is full of surprises, Brian. I can't wait for folks to hear it. Yeah, I love surprises. And (laughs) uh, I gather there may be some doozies here. So let's listen to part one of your documentary, The Recruitment Pipeline. 
I'm here at the Department of Migrant Workers. It's a massive building, smack dab in the middle of Metro Manila. I'm here to meet with the department's undersecretary in her office. And one of the first things I notice is the stack of file folders on her desk, specifically the one with stickers of BC's and Canada's flags. When is British Columbia coming to visit? Like later this year? Today. They're coming today? Yes, today. Really? Yes, yes. Today. The Philippines government is the first stop in this recruitment tour. This is where provinces first go to find nurses. Patricia Yvonne Kahunin is the Undersecretary for Policy and International Cooperation. She's the person the provinces meet with before they start recruiting. The Undersecretary says in those meetings, the provinces each typically look for somewhere between 150 to 300 nurses. But that's not enough for the Philippines. They want Canada to recruit even more nurses. Um, so I guess this is really far from, from the numbers that we're used to and the numbers that we want to have in the future. She doesn't give me a specific number on how many they want to go to Canada. But the undersecretary says Canada's application process for international nurses is what's largely stopping provinces from recruiting more nurses. The assessment process can take up to several years for Filipino nurses to start working in Canada, much longer than other countries. Unlike, for example, deployment in the Middle East, deployment in Canada would take more steps. And uh, that would mean you cannot really deploy in thousands. They would have to, of course, uh, uh, do their own credentialing with the Canadian government and go through the process. The Philippines government sees nurses as an export product. They often call these workers the, quote, modern-day heroes for what they do for the country's economy because money sent home from nurses and other workers accounts for a whopping 10% of their GDP. Under the office of the president, there's this campaign about the Philippines and our workers. And the tagline is, we give the world our best. That branding campaign she's talking about is recent. And it's trying to lift the Filipino name and reputation around the world. Here's just a snippet from the nurse branding video. I truly believe in the things that I do. Because of where we come from, our resilience, our dedication. The Philippines is well known as one of the top exporters of nurses in the world. And when provinces need nurses, the Philippines government to labor offices in Canada often get involved. Staff there weigh in on whether a province should be allowed to recruit workers from the Philippines. It's clear that the Philippines government is involved in nurse recruitment. But the undersecretary emphasized a message the country's president has said before. The Philippines doesn't send workers. We want to have a future wherein the Filipinos would have a choice, whether they want to work here or abroad. And, but us in the department, we balance these interests. Because to be honest, the Filipino workers really see better opportunities abroad. The provinces often meet with nurses here in the Philippines to sell them on those opportunities, and in some cases, interview them on the spot. That's what Manitoba did when they went to the so Philippines in February. That's going to be one of the qualifications that's in order to be gainfully employed in Manitoba. And we are Manitoba is looking for nurses and healthcare aides to come to their province. John Reyes, Manitoba's Minister of Labor and Immigration, is speaking at the recruitment event that they held at a hotel in Manila. And we are um, very serious in having you come there and I'm hoping all of you are successful.
The audio from the event is a little hard to hear, but he talks about some of the incentives for nurses, things like paid travel to Canada and a housing allowance. But he also talks about that dependency. Give and take. We are taking workers from the Republic of the Philippines, but we also want to give back. Give and take. That's how Reyes describes the relationship. The Philippines government and the provinces like Manitoba want more nurses to immigrate to Canada. And nurses here don't need much convincing. They can make a lot more money working in Canada. I have a lot of jobs, and we call it here in the Philippines, we call it racket. Nurses like Dean Wally, Ju Cayenne, and De Jesus. The 24-year-old is one of the 311 healthcare workers from the Philippines waiting for their licensing and immigration papers to be approved so they can go to Manitoba. He's been looking to go abroad for several months now, hoping to one day also bring his family to Canada. When I was still a child, I was still seven years old. Both of my parents really wanted to immigrate to Canada. All our papers are ready. Apparently, when we submitted it in the embassy um, that time, they are really strict when it comes to the requirements and everything, and especially um, uh, bank statements, bank accounts, yeah. And when that happened, we got denied. We didn't try another one. And so I thought, maybe this is my calling. I'm not only helping myself, but also my family as well. Dean Wally tells me that he wants to also advance his nursing career and earn a better income. He quit his staff job at a private hospital so he can become a private duty nurse in order to earn more in the Philippines. That means he picks up shifts wherever he's needed, like in a hospital. My one-day salary is equivalent to a three-day salary working as a staff nurse. And that's just not 12 hours, that's 16 hours, and that actually depends. The low salary for nurses in the Philippines was a message I heard from almost all of the nurses I spoke to. Depending on the qualifications and where a nurse works in the Philippines, they can earn anywhere from $300 to $800 Canadian per month. Many told me it's not enough, and that's why many decide to leave the Philippines for countries like Canada. It's around 8 p.m. when I meet up with nurse Mary Joy Dizon at North Harbor Port in Manila. The clinic Mary works at is small. It caters mostly to those who work at the port. The 34-year-old wants to come to Canada and picks up extra shifts at this clinic so she can save for the big move. She's 10 hours into a 24-hour shift with every extra hour of work bringing her closer to raising enough money so she can leave the Philippines. When I arrive, she's joking around with one of the workers while giving him a tetanus shot. This isn't her full-time job. She normally works at a government-run hospital in Quezon City. Because of my salary is not enough there, sometimes it's delay, like uh, you have to done at two months before you get paid, but in the health of this company, I have a salary that uh, not truly support full, but it's really helped me to to have a enough for their daily needs. She tells me in Tagalog. Mary is trying to come to Canada to advance her career, but also so she can afford to put her 15-year-old son Raven through college. The single mom is currently trying to save about $400 Canadian so she can take the NCLEX an exam that tests to see if nurses like her are qualified to work in a province. While she's working and studying, she'll sometimes get messages from recruiters asking her to work abroad, and she's considering it. For me right now, uh, if there's a chance to go there, uh, I will do, but it's because of my financial stability. Uh, I will save before I go there. Here's the thing. 
Nurses tell me being a nurse in the Philippines means you'll be leaving the country. On social media, jokes about Filipino moms wanting their kids to be nurses so they can go abroad and support their family are everywhere. Which is why the thing we're about to visit here in Manila has no trouble drawing a crowd. It's a job fair held in a government building, with companies and recruiters scattered across two floors. It's packed here. More than 2,000 people, including nurses, are shuffling from booth to booth, ready to hand out their resumes, hoping to land a job abroad. There's a lot of action at one particular table. It belongs to Omenville International Manpower Development, a recruitment agency finding workers for many countries. And Canada is right at the top of that list. Their table is one of the busiest on the first floor. And they caught my eye, not just because they're busy, but because I know that they worked with Saskatchewan recently to provide nurses. So we already deploy nurses in UK, Canada, so around 100 plus this year. 100 plus just for Canada? Yeah, yeah, just for Canada. Omenfil recruiter Moses Ramis says it's a top choice for many Filipinos. If I'm a Filipino, then I will go to Canada. The currency is more higher there, and also the healthcare. And it's big business too with Saskatchewan awarding more than $840,000 last year to a Regina-based recruitment agency. It worked with Omen Phil to hire nurses and other healthcare workers for the province. Job fairs like these are how many recruiters find nurses. I travel across Manila to visit the offices of one of the hundreds of recruiters here. This is at Andrews Manpower Consulting a recruitment agency that worked with Manitoba this year to hire healthcare staff. There are at least four teams uh, handling the recruitment department. We have three teams handling the medical accounts or our uh, UK nursing requirements and other uh, destination countries. Over here is Jing, our... Uh, John Adora is the company's general manager, and he introduces me around to the different teams. Gladys, getting married soon. I'll admit, the office looks different than what I expected. It's relatively quiet here. It looks like a standard office, with people clustered into teams, sitting at cubicles, typing at their computers. And I see staff typing Facebook messages to potential candidates, or sending messages to workers through a job website called workabroad.ph. John tells me that this website is a great way to find Filipino nurses with specific credentials that are wanted by overseas clients like Canada. For example, I'm a prospective applicant. I get to post my credentials, my CV, my resume. So agencies like us will have to find, uh, so that's what we do in the recruitment. He says recruitment generally happens in two ways. Once they get a job order that specifies the credentials of the nurses needed, they start recruiting both inside and outside the office. John says the most common way recruitment happens is inside their office. And that's when they look for candidates online or pre-interview nurses. So when Manitoba reached out looking for healthcare workers, the company's staff started scouring the internet for nurses that fit the bill. We posted advertisements, we, we, we invited applicants to come over here to, to, for us to assess them and, of course, to evaluate them if they will be matched with the uh, requirements of the Manitoba government. Well, it's, it's a, um, a very success campaign, if I may say, because they got to select about over 300 
Filipino nurses. Recruitment outside the office means attending job fairs like the one we heard earlier, or holding in-person sessions with employers to find nurses, like the one Manitoba held earlier this year. But there's also this other kind of recruiting. John says part of their strategy also includes recruiting in local hospitals. We do that dis- discreetly because it's, it's a, uh, a, a kind of a poaching. So when we get caught by the hospital guard on duty, for example, or the, you know, the uh, managing director of the, the, the hospital, uh, we could be charged and liable and we will be put in jail. So before, we could do it freely. But after pandemic, we, we are very much cautious uh, now. Uh, you know, we worry about uh, the safety of our employees as well. So we care about them. Hospital directors tell me that recruiters actually go into hospitals to recruit nurses one-on-one. And sometimes they'll encourage other nurses to spread the word about different opportunities. The hospital directors I spoke to say they already struggled to keep staff. In fact, one of them was so concerned about this recruitment approach that he asked me if I was coming to poach their nurses when I asked to come visit their hospital. To me, that was really telling that Andrew's Manpower Consulting isn't alone in recruiting nurses from local hospitals. We'll be right back. How do you forget your favorite person in the world? 30 years ago, my 14-year-old brother was killed by a speeding police car. And just a week or two after he died, I started to forget him. But what if I could get my memories back? I'm Alex McKinnon, and Sorry About the Kid is a new four-part series about what happens when trauma and memory collide. It felt like something was being torn out of my brain. Just somebody just tore a piece of flesh out. Sorry About the Kid is available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to White Coat Black Art. This week, the recruitment pipeline. We're unpacking the vast trove of nurses who come to Canada from the Philippines. Increasingly, Canada is depending on them to replace nurses who are retiring and quitting in droves. Producer Stephanie Dubois traveled to Manila to observe the nurse pipeline up close. She says the Philippine government wants even more nurses to come here because the money they send back home helps keep their economy afloat. And as she found out, one way to crank up the pipeline is to recruit younger nurses beginning in nursing school. I'm watching as Victor DeMano leans over a stretcher to speak to a mannequin. Victor is here with two other recent graduates and their instructor, who's controlling the mannequin, to demo how students learn at the University of Santo Tomas. But the students here learn something else, how to prepare to work as nurses in places like Canada. Rowena Escalarchua is also watching the demo. She's the University of Santo Tomas' Dean of Nursing. And she says their students are in demand because they train their future nurses to be, quote, employable. I would say I get um, invitations and um, intention to visit the university, maybe 10 emails in a week. That's a lot. That's a lot. Those emails she's talking about are from companies, government officials, including Canadian ones, and recruiters. One of the reasons why countries love the Philippines so much is because many of their nursing programs are set up similarly to programs in the U.S., making it easier for these nurses to start working in Western hospitals. 
But the university doesn't just let anyone in. And Rowena says she has to do a lot of screening to make sure an institution or recruiter is legit. Because illegal recruitment is always a concern. Rubina says that could be an unlicensed recruiter or when a company offers jobs, but those jobs don't really exist. So being the dean, I'm very careful with regards to what companies we're going to be entertaining to visit, coming to visit over here in the Philippines. But if a company or recruiter is the real deal, Rubina says they'll meet with the company's officials first, sign an agreement of sorts, and then allow them to talk about opportunities to students. Be careful that once we commit our students and later on nurses, they know that we endorse them properly to the right company. Canadian officials have toured the campus before. Most recently, Nova Scotia officials and reps from Dalhousie University, with BC also requesting a meeting back in June. The demand to recruit nursing students is high, but Rowena says they encourage their nursing students to get some experience for one to two years in the Philippines before leaving. That's so they can be better prepared for what they'll face abroad. We want them to be prepared by the time they go outside because it also reflects the education that they have um, here in the Philippines as well. If they make a mistake in the other country, what's going to happen? It's going to be bouncing back to the school anyway. It's going to bounce back to the Philippines anyway, right? So I think having that experience makes you more grounded. She knows that many of the nurses will eventually leave and doesn't fault them for wanting to go. Rowena says the university's research shows that conservatively about 70% of their nursing graduates leave to work abroad after about two to three years of working in the Philippines. So what is it that you think that's um, the best part about the campus? This. This being the mature trees and older buildings that separate the university from bustling Manila streets. I wanted to hear from a student what they think about the university allowing recruiters and hospitals in to talk about working abroad. So I met up with Charles Hezeke Aportante outside on the sprawling university campus. He's a fourth year nursing student and outgoing president of the UST College of Nursing Student Council. He says from year one, they're told about the opportunities abroad. Uh, honestly, it was, it was shocking to hear that they're being much more realistic they're not saying that you should keep on staying in the Philippines because uh, we love our nation. We do, but in a realistic standpoint, as, some, as an individual that also wants to earn, that also wants to have a better experience in the hospital, they, of course, recommend the abroad. Some of the instructors who teach nursing students here have worked abroad. They, too, tell students about job opportunities. Some even came from the U.S. that just went here to teach which is why endorsements of like, hey, the healthcare is really good in the, in the Western countries, which is why you should aim for that, for your opportunity abroad, and you should also, uh, of course, plan for it. Here's how Charles put it to me. It's not a matter of if nurses go abroad, it's a matter of when. And there is a whole system ready for and encouraging nurses to leave from the Philippines government to the Canadian provinces to recruiters. As Nurse Dean Wally explains it, Filipino nurses are seen as a benefit. I also believe that this is what Filipinos are made for. Filipinos are known for their hospitable and quality service that they give, not just as nurses, but also as workers, as immigrants, and also as citizens of their country. So we, we are also an asset. We are not a liability, we're an asset. There's no doubt that Filipino nurses are an asset to Canada's healthcare system and have been for several decades now. 
But what I've learned here is that nurses are trained and taught to be assets for other countries, not their own. Very little is being done to keep them in the Philippines. And I got a sense that there's such an overwhelming message that better pay and better career opportunities for these nurses only exist abroad. And we in Canada are happy to take advantage of that. And producer Stephanie Dubois is back from the Philippines and joins me in the studio once again. Out of the provinces that did send representatives and start the recruitment process, have most of these nurses actually started working here yet? So not yet. Some of the nurses have started to come to Canada. For example, in Saskatchewan, some of the 400 Filipino registered nurses that they recruited during their two trips were trickling in at the beginning of July. And most of those nurses have to do that province's 14-week training program first before they can start working. Where these nurses get delayed is in the immigration and accreditation process. So the accreditation process is when the nursing colleges assess a nurse's skills before they can work. And I don't need to tell you, Brian, that the accreditation process is a huge issue for Canada when it comes to healthcare workers. Have any of the provinces uh, made some moves to try and speed up that process? Yeah, they have. In March, Nova Scotia opened up a fast track process for nurses from specific countries, which includes the Philippines. And since then, Alberta, BC, and Saskatchewan are some of the other provinces who have made moves to try and get those internationally educated nurses here in the country faster. I should also note, though, that the federal government has introduced some changes as well, including a new expedited immigration stream to bring in healthcare workers, which, of course, includes nurses. And, you know, some of the nursing union reps say it's great that provinces are making it quicker for these nurses to get here but that they are entering healthcare systems that need a revamp. Here's Tracy Zambori, president of the Saskatchewan Union of Nurses. We're putting people in untenable situations where there could be, there could be harm that they can't reverse because they don't have the expertise, they don't have the background, and they don't have the mentorship and perceptorship to be told, okay, no, this is you, we need to help you through this situation. And that's just one of the implications for Canada. There are, of course, issues for the Philippines when we take their nurses during these recruitment trips. And we'll talk about the issues for both countries and hear more from Tracy in next week's episode. And Stephanie, I will just add to that. I've heard recently that in some provinces, such as Alberta, half the nurses they matriculate end up leaving the country. So that tells you that there's this ever, ever present need to replace the pipeline, to mm-hmm. fill the pipeline, to, to make up for, mm-hmm. for nurses that are leaving. Yeah. It's an incredible story that you brought back for us because you went there to report on it. Kudos to you for doing it. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to part two next week. Thanks so much, Brian. I appreciate it. Tune in next week when we will examine the implications of the migration of nurses to Canada and what's happening in the Philippines. That's our show this week. If you'd like to comment, our email address is whitecoat at cbc.ca. We'd especially like to hear from nurses who have come to Canada from the Philippines. White Coat Black Art was produced this week by Stephanie Dubois with help from Amina's offer. Stephanie's trip to the Philippines was supported by the 2023 R. James Travers Foreign Corresponding Fellowship through Carleton University. Our digital producer is Ruby Buiza and our senior producer is Colleen Ross. Special thanks this week to Gil Ramos, Jason Pajarillo, and Rodney Ramos. That's medicine from my side of the gurney. I'm Brian Goldman. See you next week. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.